DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that. It was a fun night. Your uh, sports information staff sends out an email with a list of superlatives and notes after the game, and they noted that this is the first road win ever over the Pac-12 and the first time an Aggie coach has won their first game since uh, 1973. It's been 48 years. And watching that game unfold, I'm curious where your guys got the belief because midway through the fourth quarter, you needed a touchdown, and you didn't have one in the game, you needed to stop either a punt or a turnover. They'd scored on all three possessions in the second half. And then you needed another touchdown, and that's exactly what happened. Touchdown, punt, touchdown. Where did they get the belief to pull that off in your first game? You got no history with them. The team won one game last year. How did that happen? You know, it's exactly what I told them it was going to happen. It's, it's the exact game plan we had put in place. Just, uh, you know, really, we, we, we just believed we have to get it to the fourth quarter. We felt like that um, that if we could keep it close, that if we could just kind of stay within reach, if we get it to the fourth quarter, that our style of play and our conditioning was gonna was gonna take over. And um, as you watch the tape, that's exactly what happened. And our kids believed in that. We've worked extremely hard to to get to a point where we feel like we can run and outrun people for sixty minutes. It's been grueling to this point. They have uh, accepted it and worked extremely hard and bought in. And I told them before the game that it's going to be a close game at halftime. doesn't matter if we're 14 down. Don't panic. If we get to a point where we're within reach in the fourth quarter, we will outrun them to the ball. We will start moving people up front better than we were in the first half. And we'll, uh, we'll get ourselves back in the game. And guys will be there when it matters. And if you watch the tape, they just continued to outplay them. They just continued to hustle. And, and we made some plays late that mattered enough to, to win the game. So uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to see those guys do what we've asked, buy in the way they did, and play with the effort level that they did. That's, that is a great foundation for what we're trying to build. So you do realize now that you won the first game, if you don't go 10-2, and two, you underachieved, right? <laughs> well, yes, yeah, you know, that's the thing about this particular game. You know, however, I'm glad you did the math on how many years because I, I, I had no idea. I just knew it was a long time. Um, yeah, if you don't win the next one and if you don't you don't build on it, then, then you just look back and say it was a fluke, and, and it's not. I mean, the kids are working. Uh, we, we did not play our best ball. We made a lot of mistakes, but we played hard, and, and the kids um, really, really – tried to do things the way we're asking them to do it. And so you're right, man. If you, you got to go keep winning. you got to build. Everyone becomes more important when you win a game like that, and, and that's what we want in the building. We want the kids to expect that. We want the, we want the fans to expect that. So I'm curious. You had, uh, you know, had just questions about different positions, including quarterback. Uh, did those all get squared away and just sort itself out there in the first game, or are you still uh, questioning some stuff going into the second game? Well, we're still we're going to be detailed about it and, and really research it before we do anything. Obviously, both guys played well in their own 
in their own way. Uh, we did finish up with Bonner late. Just and people have asked why. Just experience. I mean, the guy's been been in that kind of situation a bunch and and, and come through. And he did uh, in flying colors uh, on Saturday night. But uh, not going to jump to any conclusions. I told them before we started this process that it wasn't going to be you know one play or a stat line. That it was going to be the the overall picture. But uh, I was pleased with both. They both made mistakes that could have hurt us ball on the ground with Peasley and, and, and a, a throw that uh, shouldn't have been put in the air from, from Bonner that, that both created turnovers and those are things we got to fight. We could have, you know, we could have really just put ourselves in a position where we had no chance. So those are, we're, we're not a finished product by any means, but um, at that position, um, we definitely want to settle on one guy sooner rather than later, uh, but have not made that final decision as of yet. I was interested to see what you did at the quarterback position when Bonner put that ball up for grabs towards the end of the first half. Uh, saw how you would play it in the second half. In your mind, as you entered the game and then as the game began, as far as the quarterback rotation, was it a set thing or were you going by feel to make the change as you saw fit during the game or did you have it planned? No, we, we told them we were going to alternate series. Wanted them to be prepared and, and didn't want them guessing on who's going next or, or what. We, we felt like both had done enough work coming into the game to deserve that opportunity. Uh, didn't make the change until late just based off how the game was going and, and, and really just leaning on Bonner's experience. I mean, he's had 20-something games under his belt and, and been in that situation just so many more times than, than Peasley has. So uh that was really the decision there but they knew all along we're going to alternate series regardless of the circumstance and and play you guys so that just mentally they could be prepared for exactly what to what was coming the thing that seems like a no doubter is uh Tompkins is the guy uh on the next last drive he had the reverse that got you first and goal and then on the game-winning drive two catches for first downs and then the touchdown you knew where you wanted to go they probably knew where you wanted to go and you were able to go there anyway yeah, I thought we did a good job spreading the ball around, but he, but he's just he's one of those guys in space that you always have to account for. Uh, you know, I think he had ten touches, but but both McGriff and and Derek Wright had eight nine cut touches as well. Got the ball to the backs. We've always put a premium on spreading the ball around. We don't want you to just be able to isolate on one guy. But you're, you're right; certain guys just stand out, and his ability to play in space, his speed. I mean, the reverse looked good, but it. It got ugly real quick, you know, just from pursuit, and he had the extra gear to get around the edge and make what could have been, you know, maybe a two, three-yard gain into an explosive and got us down there to, to be able to score. Um, you know, he's, he's dynamic, really, in every area. You just get him the ball. It's really tough for the first guy to get him down. Just talking to BYU coaches after they played Arizona, and obviously they were down last year and entered the game on a 12-game losing streak. And one of them told me, he said, the transfer portal has just been a game-changer and to the point where last year, depending on who you bring in and what positions you fortify through the transfer portal, that it doesn't even matter what you did last year. Uh, did, did you see that as far as what you're trying to build here quickly at Utah State? Because obviously you had high-profile transfers come in and play and play significant roles that they can make a difference immediately. So it doesn't matter what last year was. Well, it definitely has made an impact. I mean, I, but it, but you watch. There's a lot of guys that were on that team last year that played. You know, just played lights out. I mean, Nick Hanager had an unbelievable game. 
from sideline to sideline chasing the ball. And, uh, that old line, I mean, there's there's a transfer up there, but that's a lot of guys that have been here before. Bannerman, Marcus Moore, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Uh, I, I'm pleased with how all the transfers came in and helped us. Calvin Tyler and, and you know, Bonner and, and Justin Rice and guys, you know, Bolden. There's a bunch of great transfers that it came in and, and helped us in a big way. But but this is a great mixture. Uh, the Just the way the previous uh, players have accepted us and, and, and just gone out and set the bar for effort and attitude. It, it's been a great mixture, and we've utilized both, uh, building on the foundation of guys that have been here for a long time, but also bringing in some key guys that all are contributing in, in, in different ways, some more than others, but, but we've been pleased with all the guys that we brought in at, at midterm and even in the summer. Everybody wants to get a game changer and, you know, the dominant player in the transfer portal, but the fact is those guys don't change teams often. They do sometimes, but not often. But I'm wondering how much the transfer portal is helping coaches plug holes where the other team can just pick at a weakness, pick at a weakness, and you can upgrade that. And the guy may not be a world beater, but if he's better than the one you had, that can make everybody better because that's the one place that breakdowns keep happening. Yeah, no, it's it it's been key. I, I don't know. As you look at the end of the season, I don't know that uh, you know how many of these guys are going to be all conference type players or or have you know tremendously high stat lines. But you're you're right, a guy that can come in, and even if he's a he's a two, he's a role player that plays you know a lot more than he would have played at a previous school. Just uh, a different depth chart, a different environment, maybe just a fresh start. Uh, some of these guys were young and immature and 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 just didn't fit in, and and now they see things differently in a new culture so we've got all kinds we've got guys that are standing out there uh that that are feature players that transferred but we've also got some other guys in the in the program that are their roles are just a little bit different but just as important because you're not going to just play with 11 i mean you're playing you're playing at least two deep if not three deep on defense uh almost the entire game to play the way we play uh, as i said we're spreading the ball around to a bunch of different guys on offense and playing at a fast tempo, which means you typically have to play more guys. Uh, whether you're the starter or you're the role player, all those guys are going to help us win. It's a long season. I mean, attrition happens. Guys do get hurt. Who knows who has to step into a key role? As you progress through this quarterback competition, could you see a situation where if you go with Bonner, you still have Peasley having an active role because you look at him against Washington State and obviously, he, I mean, he wasn't bad throwing, but averaging 10 yards a carry, almost 11 yards a carry on four carries from with him moving the ball through his legs. Could you see a role for him doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be super easy for us to do. You know, Bonner is, is not a great runner, but he's efficient. But Peasley just has, uh, just has the ability to make guys miss and extend plays with his feet. It's what he does best. It's what intrigues you about him. But uh, whatever we end up deciding to do and, and just where we solidify it, and as I said, we are going to play with one quarterback <clears throat> this year. We're not going to continue this for, for very long. But I, I could see uh, both of those guys, if they were not the primary starter, having some kind of role on the team. They're just too valuable, and, and their skill sets are too unique. So we'll just kind of see how it progresses. Uh, I think we're close. We just want to make sure we are very thorough and very fair in the process so we, we move forward all on the same page. 
So the first win at the at a Pac-12 school, that's a big deal. The guys have got to feel great about the way they execute in the fourth quarter to make that happen and come from behind. Now you get North Dakota. How do you make sure the guys aren't riding too high thinking, oh, we got this? Because there's a long list of teams that got paid for money games that took the check and took the win last Saturday. Oh, uh, no doubt. I mean, that's it. They were We were talking about it immediately following the game. The guys were talking about it on the way back. Uh, well, we're sitting there in, during a media break, and the, the Washington-Montana uh, score comes up on the screen, as you can imagine how the crowd reacted to that. Uh, so you don't have to go very far to uh, to just look and see. You've got to respect every opponent, and you got to play your best. We made so many mistakes. we got a ton of things to fix anyway. I love that we're getting to play at home. Uh, I'm expecting a great crowd, especially after the win Saturday night. Hopefully that energizes the Valley and and the Aggie fans come out, but uh, we're going to talk about it all week. I'm, I'm hoping and praying our guys respond and really just build on what we did and come out and play a much better football game. And, and uh, we absolutely understand what North Dakota is capable of. Watch them in the playoffs. They got a good, you know, they got a good uh, early win this weekend. But and they went deep last year, and, and they've got a lot of guys back. They got a really, really good running back. We're going to have to tackle well and play great ball. To, uh, to earn a win, uh, and, and, and I think I think our guys have paid attention, and we'll, we'll keep talking about it and, and pushing it all week. I think based on what I knew of the Aggies following them last year, obviously we followed them for a number of years, is I felt like with Bonner coming in that you'd be able to throw the ball fairly well because I knew Tompkins is a good player and McGriff is good enough, so I thought you'd have success through the air. The thing that I was intrigued about that I was unsure about is your ability to run the ball. And I thought, I would you get, you gained like 220 yards, I think something close to that on the ground to me. And you can, and you can comment on it and maybe I'm off base here, but I thought the most impressive thing offensively was your ability to run the ball. Well, I know this and I've preached, you know, we preach it every day and, and we preach it in the strength program that the ability to stop the run and run the ball is what how win how you win games all that we do with the spread system and slinging the ball around it's fun and i love it and and, and you love getting the ball from sideline to sideline and clearly we we do spread the field as much as anybody but if you cannot run the ball you you really do not have a, a great chance to win competitive you know one possession uh tough football games and so we put a premium on it you know, we're not real, real flashy in that area, but I thought we were very efficient. And in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter when we needed it, you know, being able to run the ball on third and six and get a first down, being able to run the ball from the four-yard line and get it in without having to put the ball in the air, uh, being it, you know, having the having the ability to push the pile for six, seven yards uh, late in the game, and and that's really that's exactly what we talked about. Runs that were two and three yards in the first half. We're going to turn into five and six, seven yards in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, but we, we have to be able to run the ball effectively. And, and it works really well. You, you mentioned Bonner being able to throw the ball. He did throw the ball well, and, and Peasley did it a, a, as well at times. It all works together. But if you, you're getting two yards a run, you know, it's going to be a really, really long night with a lot of coverage that you're looking at. Uh, we're going to keep trying to get better in that area. I was, I was really pleased at how we did against the big clock. 
Well, I think that's why that fourth down conversion with about a minute to go just short of midfield was such a big deal because your two-minute offense, quote-unquote, I'm making air quotes now, you, you were picking up two, three yards of play, and I'm thinking, there's only a minute left. They are never getting down the field. And I was starting to think, they might actually do this. And you convert the fourth down, and then all of a sudden, it was 7, 10, 12 yards after that. You didn't even have a third down after that. You had them on their heels the rest of the way. It, in, in a weird way, I know the winning touchdown is the biggest one. I know you had to make all the plays in the final seven minutes, but that one, that fourth down conversion really stood out. It, it changed everything. No, no doubt. I mean, it, you, you're going to, the clock's going to be against you big time mm-hmm. if you don't make that. And it wasn't just a routine play. I mean, it, 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 it had to happen. The kids, you know, we, we've talked a lot about that going in. I'm not sure what the philosophy has been here in the past, just in terms of being aggressive on fourth down. But we talked about being a calculated but aggressive team there. Tried to prepare them a lot during fall camp. Even in some of the scrimmages, we went for fourth down probably more than you typically would to try to just so they don't think of it as some crazy down. It's just do the routine, you know, do the routine thing. And, and really, that's what we did. We just kind of ran a typical routine play, and, and guys made it. If you don't make it there, though, clock in, in the, the game is really going to put you in a bind to have a chance to uh, to, to finish that off, and, and it, it was probably the biggest play, I agree, of the fourth quarter. So we know in Jonesboro, if you wanted to live it up, you went to the mall. What are you doing, Logan? <laughs> well, we got back at 4.30 in the morning, so I went to bed, uh, to be honest with you, and uh, – Got up and ate, went and ate a little breakfast at Angie's and came in and, and went right to work on the game. So I, I don't know. I haven't figured out the what do you do when you want to when you want to tie one on here in town yet. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Angie's. We've actually done shows previewing uh, the night before Utah State games or the morning before at Angie's. Yep. So yeah, there the you go. kitchen sink at Angie's. You see bumper stickers in Salt Lake City. It's all about the kitchen sink. Last thing, no before, last thing we'll let you go, uh, our boss here, uh, Aggie alum Scott Gerard. I'm just curious how he celebrated with you. Did he give you the pat on the back, the pat on the butt? Did he quietly sob tears of joy? What was it like with Scotty G? No, knuckle bumps and a hug was about it, man. <laughs> I, it was a long night. Di- it was a long night. <laughs> All right. He was pretty happy on the calls. You'll probably hear them at some point. All right, Coach, congratulations on the win. And just tell the guys, you know, not to get too high. This was awesome that they won the opening game for you, and it hasn't happened in a long time. But uh, Coach Romney, who the stadium is named for for a long time, uh, his first game to beat Idaho State 136 to nothing. So maybe that's the perfect game. <laughs> hey, we'll do our best, man. We're we're just we want to find a way, find a way to get a win against these guys. There you go. All right, thanks, coach. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Blake Anderson, Utah State head coach, trying to go to two and zero now with North Dakota coming to town. They beat Idaho State thirty five fourteen. It's not one hundred thirty six to nothing, but it's a pretty solid win. That would have been fun to be in that stadium at Washington State and see that Washington score go up. I bet they went nuts. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a the, rival, the arch rival going down to Montana. Bah. Of course, then they had their own problems in the fourth quarter. All right, DJ and PK, there's Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson from Utah State, the head coach. Utah offensive lineman Nick Ford was on at 7.30. Samson Nakua at 7 o'clock. If you're getting started late on Labor Day, you miss any of those, they're all up at 1280thezone.com. Blake will be there in a minute. And you can get them wherever you get, podcasts, Spotify, whatever. They're all available. Yak, make sure they're out there for you if you miss them. DJ and PK, final word, your feedback, coming up next. Stay with us.